I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, 25 years of BSB, where did that all go? I have no idea. Uh, one thing I do know is that I've been here every single year since 1996, and it's been an incredible an incredible time. I had an amazing five years riding there, uh, three times winning the championship from uh, the Cadbury's Boost days, and then on to Virgin Yamaha and the GSE Ducati in 2000. But from then on, I've been involved in the championship pretty much every year, uh, either working with riders, teams, and uh, and with the commentary team and TV. And it's just amazing. As I've always said, there's no script. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen, and each year just tops the last. So uh, here's to 2021 and an amazing season with 33 races in store. Uh, hold on tight, everyone. A new era began in the form of the British Superbike Championship as we now know it. And it proved to be a monumental season-long contest between our Eurosport mates, James Whittam, and his Cadbury Boost Yamaha teammate, the man who went on to win the first three titles. It is, of course, Scotland's Neil McKenzie. So much to talk about and not too much time to talk about it. Welcome to Full Throttle. Greg Haynes with you. And hooray, British Superbikes is back on Eurosport this weekend. But first of all, what a weekend it's been for motorcycle racing this past weekend. Mark Marquez back on top of the world in MotoGP. Oliveira pushed him hard for a while, didn't he? And Fabio Quartararo increasing his championship lead to 22 points. Not only one Repsol Honda legend celebrating, but one from the past as well, Mick Doohan, because Mick's son, Jack, won the FIA Formula 3 race for the Trident team at Paul Ricard alongside the French Formula One Grand Prix yesterday. Jack's first victory and up to third in F3. So congratulations to Jack Doohan and also, of course, to Mark Marquez. But, but here on Full Throttle, we have an absolutely packed show for you today. We've got a comprehensive preview of BSB 2021, this 25th anniversary season and an in-depth interview with Supersport 300 World Championship contender Tom Booth Amos. Of course, there's also our latest magic moment as well from a famous name, one we know rather well here on Full Throttle in the world of bike racing. First of all, though, let's concentrate on this week's in-depth interview. And it's a man who was formerly a champion in the BSB paddock in Motostar, Tom Booth Amos, who played a massive and ultimately, unfortunately for him, very disappointing part in this unbelievable final lap to the latest Supersport 300 World Championship race. It was at Mazzano in Italy a couple of weekends ago. And in the commentary box, James Whittam and I couldn't quite believe our eyes. This is definitely being one of the most energetic Here races we've Suffolk seen so far. Oh, Suffolk on the inside line. Mike Onkawa coming on the outside. This Sora has a look and so does Akaya. Safoglu's in the lead. Safoglu who started on pole position. You wouldn't normally be surprised that the pole sitter's in the lead, but you would be in this race. 
to Cancelis and Desora side by side. Tom Booth Amos is down into third position. Desora goes around the outside. Michael Kawakami is on the inside. This is nuts. This Tom is Booth nuts. Tom Booth Amos in a massive squeeze there. De Cancelis has fallen right back. Look, there's going to be contact, surely. Yuta Okaya there now. Has to... Oh, my goodness me. This is mad. This is outrageous. John Bodemos is quick on this point, though. Yeah, and look who's up there as well. Wertas, Carrasco's in the lead. And a Carrasco comes through. Booth Amos is going up the inside. There's almost contact there. Runs a bit wide. He's got the advantage. Disora out of shape. They're almost <laughs> touching there. Oh, they Jumbo are touching. They are touching. Okaya's gone down. Somebody's down. Oh, so two down. De Cancelis He's gets caught in two. Carras Carrasco and Tumbo Demos. That's who it's between. Right, and Anna goes for it. No, she doesn't. Can she get a run to the line? Oh, oh. Tom Booth Amos is out. Oh. Anna Carrasco. Carrasco comes through to win. Oh, I've never seen anything like it. That was mad. Absolutely unbelievable and quite scary to watch. If you haven't seen it or you want to watch it back, that superb return to winning ways for Anna Carrasco, you can do so on the Eurosport app on your computer or mobile device. But last week, I caught up with TBA Tom Booth Amos, and here's the first part of that chat. Tom, thanks a lot for joining us. And I've got to say congratulations, first of all, on your start to the season, but also commiserations about what happened a couple of Sundays ago at Mizano. Just talk us through that race, because from where we were watching and commentating, it was actually quite scary, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, well, it's actually quite scary to be in it as well. I can tell you that. Um, it's mental. You know, Supersport 300 is... I thought it was bad when I was in Moto3, but honestly, this is another level. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. The problem is, like, you're going down the straight, same as Arno, like we were last week, you know, and you you got to tip into, I don't know the corner, the name, but turn 11. And I'm first there, and then all of a sudden I can see the shadows, and I'm expecting one bike, and then all of a sudden you've got six coming flying past you, and it's like, you can never you can never know what to expect next, you know what I mean? It's a nightmare. Oh, it looked it. It looked it. It was actually the first time for Wit and I, in five years of commentating on that class, that we actually thought, this is actually quite frightening to watch. Did it feel like that on the bike? In, uh, yeah, no, not really, to be honest. I don't, I think if I was sixth or seventh in the race the whole time, then yeah. But, you know, I, you probably noticed now from by the way I ride, but I try to stay out of trouble. So normally I try and lead. Um, and I deliberately do certain things. So I'll be in a position where I want to be at a certain time of the race, you know. Because then that way you stay out of trouble because, as everyone can see on TV, there's always some kind of trouble. Someone's wiping someone out somewhere. So just trying to stay out of it is, is the goal. And then if you get to the last lap, then, yeah, you're doing all right. Yeah, I don't think you've actually watched it back yet, have you, while we're recording this? But you've got to watch it back. You will not believe it. It was absolute carnage behind you. But, yeah, you never seem to get any lower than second, do you, I've noticed? Yeah, I try not to because it's the same as in when... Well, obviously, I never won a motor three race, but, you know, when you're in a group, if you drop to the back of the group, it's so hard to get back to the front of the group. Um, but if you stay in the first two of, of the group, then normally you're quite safe. And, yeah, no, normally you can kind of predict what's going to happen. And But if you just, if you start dropping, it's so difficult to get back up to the front two. But, and I like to lead as well because then I can control the pace of the race or try to at least if they don't side bomb me like they do every corner and then hold me up but normally if I can lead the race they can't or not the full group can go with the pace that I can I can run so that that does drop the group a little bit like we did in the, I think we did in the first race it was three of us that broke away so yeah that's that's normally what I try and do who do you actually trust though Tom because to us it looks like Anna Carrasco can be trusted she's a smart switched on racer and very intelligent uses a brain the same goes for you obviously Jeffrey Baus seems like pretty much everyone else it's a bit of a lottery and it does feel like there's some lunatics out there to be honest <laughs> there's more than some i can tell you that <laughs> um can't, you can't honestly you can't trust anyone well yeah anna she's not going to do any stupid moves because that's she's she's not like that jeffrey you you can race him and you can actually have a race and he, you know he's not there in china yet but the rest of them yeah, you don't want to get anywhere near them because you just don't know what they're going to do next. 
it's a nightmare. They just, you know, they'll come from five bike lengths back, just absolutely dive bomb you, go wide and off the track, and you think, well, why, why have you even done that? Because now you've just completely messed both of our corners up, and you've gone wide and got a track limits warning. So, yeah, the rest of them, honestly, just I try and stay away because they are a nightmare. I mean, they're quite heavy bikes, aren't they, really? With not much power, about 50 horsepower, is it? So I guess slipstreaming is the only way and being really aggressive is the only way to try and win. Does that sort of mean in a way that the less talented riders are able to win more easily than in other categories? Does that make sense? Yeah, this is the... Obviously, it's great racing and it's great to be a part of it. But it's the frustrating thing is, you know, there's people... Well, it's not frustrating for me normally because without being big at the front but um you know there's a group of say 24 but really there's only three or four riders that are fast enough to be there the rest can just hang on because you can gain so much from a slipstream um that you can just stay with the group and on those bikes let's say at Mazzano, the slipstream in qualifying is worth a second a second and a half so it's a massive it's a massive difference you know like a second and a half on the grid, hundred is like first to twenty fifth in the in, in saying qualifying. So that's why the group is so big, just because of the qualifying and the bikes. Yeah, they're heavy. There's no power, and you just gain that much from the slipstream. And it just looked like there was no rear grip either, was there at Mazzano? Fifty five degree track Celsius uh, track temperature. That is incredible. Yeah, it was hot. It was really hot. Um, I remember when I raced there. In GPs, they just laid that surface, and it was really bad then as well. Um, it was very slippy then. Uh, in, I remember my race there; I think fourteen people crashed in Moto Three, so it was slippy, and it's still the same now. And as soon as it gets hot, that's it. It's like, yeah, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's horrible though. Really, there's no grip at all. Yeah, well, I tell you what; if even I can see there's no grip, it must be pretty bad. Um, let's just go back, Tom. For anyone who's uh listening for, to this who doesn't really know you or hasn't watched the races if you are listening and don't watch super sport 300 you should because it is amazing to watch if not a bit scary but what about you tom obviously your dad was a british 125 racer wasn't he at one point a bit of motocross and his mum and dad your grandparents were rally driver and co-driver so you are very much from a racing family aren't you yeah we've always we've well i've always had a bike since i was well i started my dad took me on a bike when i was two on a pw50 so um, we were quite lucky then. My grandparents had a farm, so I used to had a bit of a track on the farm when I was a kid, and I always, always rode. But they sold the farm up, and then I didn't ride for a long time. Um, I raced one year when I was a kid, when I was five, uh, on a mini moto. Did a year, and then I was a gymnast until I think I was seventeen, eighteen when I quit gymnastics. I quit completely, and then I got back into racing. Um, but yeah, my family, my dad used to race. He still rides now and it's his job. He's the test rider now. So it's, it's, it's massively in the family. My grandma and granddad, yeah. My brother and sister used to race as well. Um, so yeah, it's, we, we all, we've all got something to do with racing. Your granddad was a Austin factory rally driver. Is that right? And his wife, your grandmother was the co-driver. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is quite cool. Um, you, I don't, I don't know what he raced in, but I know he was a factory driver for Austin and he was about to go to Monte Carlo and Austin pulled the team because they'd just brought out the mini and they took the mini team instead of the Austin team. So that was uh, that was like my granddad's biggest biggest like thing that it was going to be. He was going to go to Monte Carlo and then, yeah, they pulled the team the last minute. That was a shame. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Oh, that is a shame, yeah. What could have been an amazing story, but... It was obviously quick, though, I guess, if he's anything like you. And you said your dad's still a test rider? Yeah, my dad works for Royal Enfield. So yeah. he's, he's a test rider. He, he's riding every day. And we've just got him back into motocross now. So he started to do a bit more again. Uh, we're trying to stop him getting old. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah, well, none of us are getting any younger, that's for sure. Um, so you live in Shropshire, don't you, Tom? So you're not far from the Welsh border? Yeah, um, Welsh border is about half an hour away. It's not too far. Right, okay. And I know you've got a dog called Maverick, so I'm very interested to know. He looks a bit like a bear, by the way, for anyone who hasn't seen Tom's dog. Um, but it is a dog. Is that named after Maverick Vinales, or is he named after the Maverick bar, the chocolate bar? 
No, I. It's not named after either. I've actually got two dogs. I've got Marco and I've got Maverick. Um, I've had Marco. He's four this year, and Maverick's six months at the minute. Um, but he, yeah, he looks like a bear. But no, I've, I don't know. I've just always liked the name Maverick, and I've always, always, I was going to call Marco Maverick, but then I got swung the direction of. Marco, so I said, Well, when I get another one, I'll, I'll call him Maverick. So I did. <laughs> it actually suits him, I have to say. It suits him, it does. He's the biggest, dopiest, like friendliest bear ever. People get scared of him. I'm like, He will not do anything to you. He is the softest thing ever. Well, the biggest dogs are usually the, the dopiest, softest ones, aren't they? I mean, like sometimes it's the small, yappy ones which cause all the carnage. <laughs> yeah, right, normally it is. It's this it's little man syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Little dog. They have that, but no, Mavs, he's the biggest, dopiest thing ever. He's been with me today and he just, at motocross, he just lies there all day eating like leaves and just, yeah, he's, <laughs> he is dopey. I'll give eating him leaves. Um, all right. Like, so what do you do sort of in your free time? You like motocross, you go out on your boat, don't you? That must be fun. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just trying to get back into the English life, <laughs> trying to get used to it again. Cause obviously I've been in Spain for, uh four years now so yeah i'm just i normally just go and ride my motocross bike or my enduro bike um i've got a gym at home so obviously i go in there when i can <laughs> can be bothered um but no i mean just keep on top of stuff um i like to restore classic bikes as well so I've got a workshop and I've got a collection of old motocross bikes. That Wait a minute, so you you are literally of. a young version of James Whittam, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's why me and Whit get on so well. <laughs> well, yeah, who doesn't get on with Whit? But you are you're like so you are putting bikes together and racing them. You are like and you're race number sixty nine, so you are literally a twenty twenty one version yeah. of James Whittam. Yeah, there you go. No, I, I've always enjoyed. I've got classic cars as well. Um, I don't know. I've just always enjoyed restoring them. So I, I've got. Yeah, I've got a fair few now, actually. What have you got? Cars, bikes? I've got an Escort RS Turbo Series 2. Uh, and I've got a lot of Honda motocross bikes. Like, they vary from 1988 to 2004. Hey, right. Just, I get carried away. You're never <laughs> bored, obviously. No, well, that's it. It gives me something to do in my spare time. And I enjoy it. It's nice to go get out in the workshop, you know, and take your mind off stuff and just enjoy restoring them. It's, I don't know. It's weird. I, I like it when, you know, I buy one and it, it's trashed when I get it. And then obviously when I finish it, it looks brand new again. So I don't know. Something about it. I think I'm an old man trapped in a young man's body. Oh, good. It's good to hear that because I feel the same. I get accused of being very classic. Cla- classic is one of my favorite words. So, yeah, welcome to my world. Honestly, I, I love it. Like old two strokes. Is just the best thing. You can't beat it, can you? I've got an RGV 250 1988, that is. I ride that on the road just on a Sunday when it's nice weather. It's just it's better than anything modern, isn't it? I love it. Do are you actually like a big fan of the history of racing as well as the actual machines? Uh, no, not really. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> not really. I, I, I just really like two strokes. I don't, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it when it was like 125 and 250 Grand Prix racing and obviously 500. Um, but when I got into racing big time, it was all, well, there was still 125 and 250, but the it was the, when did, 2004, wasn't it? I think four strokes started in MotoGP. Uh, 2002, they did a sort of um, transitional year and then 2003, they were all four strokes. Yeah, but when I first started racing well getting back into it when i was like 18 i started on a one two five two stroke so yeah i don't know i just enjoy it you just can't beat it can you the nice sound of a two stroke i agree with that and you have to ride with your left hand over the clutch don't you just in case it seizes up yeah you know these things now they just they don't go wrong do they you got you don't have to be clever to ride one (laughs) you had to be clever back then yeah there's no computers you can't just plug it in and fix it it's it's different now. If we've got a problem with our bikes, you just plug the computer on, it tells you everything that's wrong with it, and you fix it. I think it's right. I think it was right actually. Because like, as a non-rider myself, you know, getting to know a lot of the young guys and girls coming up through the British Championship and Supersport 300 and stuff like that, it does seem like the more mechanical people are the better riders, which makes sense, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I don't know. My dad, I remember my dad said to me once, he was like, I'm not going to be here forever, so you need to learn how to do it all yourself. So that was it. Off, uh, off I went. And I do them all myself. I look after all my bikes myself. Um, I've just, I'm actually, my dad's racing one next month, so I need to finish building the engine this week. He wants to get back out. Oh, okay, okay. So you're going to have the responsibility of actually rebuilding the engine on your dad's race bike. Yeah, I do them all. Only I can only do two strokes out. Well, I can do a little four stroke, but nothing major. But yeah, I just I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah, uh, good for I you. I do. I do. It could be a good little um, money out. spinner as well, Tom. Well, well, yeah. If I, my career comes to a premature end, then at least <laughs> I've got something to fall back on. Don't say that. Touch you on it, right? Actually, talking about your career, let's go back because. I know you quite well now, obviously, from talking to each other about Supersport 300 and all this. But I remember, I'm not going to lie, when I first saw you on the telly in Moto Star, I thought, wow, he seems like a bit of a cocky, overconfident guy, which I now know is not true. Did you feel like you were at the time? Yeah. Have you changed or is that just the impression I got? Yeah, I was actually talking about this to someone not long ago and we were talking about other races. Uh, yeah. And I'd say, yeah. Ah, okay. because I thought I was the big man obviously I was living the life thinking I was king of England winning more of three races in England and then I did a wild card at Silverstone and that showed me how to ride a bike properly <laughs> and I soon came back down to earth and realised that okay, maybe I'm not that fast uh, that's, that is interesting actually yeah I didn't mean that in a bad way by the way I hope you didn't mind me saying that but that's just the way it came across yeah like obviously I was winning every race so obviously I was going to be confident yeah but... for sure you know, in racing, I still think I'm the quickest. You have to. You still think you have to think that you're the quickest there, otherwise you're not going to win, are you? Yeah, that but, is true. You know, I've been there. I've done it. I've seen seen everything. Now I've been to MotoGP, and I know what what's good and what's not good. You know, I've seen it all. It was always my dream to go there, and yeah, done it now. That was the first part of our interview in this week's Full Throttle with Tom Booth Amos, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But now then, it's time for our magic moment. And of course, we've heard from Neil McKenzie already. We'll hear from him later. So it's only fair, isn't it, that we got a magic 1996 BSB moment from Wit himself. Magic moment from 96 for me would have been Cadwell Park. Uh, race one, we set off in the dry, but with sort of leaden skies, looking like it were going to shower. Um, really nice, sort of showery summer's day. One of them really warm days that then has a short, sort of shower every three or four hours. Um, me and Mackenzie got away. Uh, he hounded me the whole race. It was stopped with about four or five laps to go because it did start raining. We went across the line together. I won by a sort of wheel. I think it was uh, less than a quarter of a second, the winning margin. Race two, it had rained, but it was drying out, and it was definitely going to dry. You know, it was really warm and drying out really quick, but still quite wet around the woodland section under the trees, quite dry on the other half the track, the top half the track. Um, I knew Mackenzie didn't like the intermediate front tyre, and I knew he'd go for full slicks. I knew that a slick at the end of the race would be the tyre to have back and front. But I thought, if I can just get away with an intermediate on these first few laps and get away, I can probably break him. But I need to get a start to do it uh, because I, don't, I didn't want to go off the dry airline to onto the wet with a slick rear. So got a really good start. So I muscled my way to the front in turn one and turn two because I knew what I had to do. Um, and then got my head down and went, I had to go as quick as I can because I thought the fastest lap of the race at the end, if he's still on his bike, is going to be McKenzie, which it was. He lapped quite a bit quicker than me, but I'd pulled like nine seconds in the first half of the race and he closed me down to about six seconds, but it was still a really good win. And I think, I remember thinking that one sort of me riding as much as just a bit of a, a bit of a trick tyre choice that kind of phased Neil a little bit in the you know first lap or two because he really struggled with a, a slick front on. So that'd be my um, that'd be my magic moment. Double win. It was a good day. Yeah, not a bad weekend's work there, Wit. Thank you very much to James Whitton for that one, that glorious double in BSB at Cadwell Park back in 1996. And we'll be hearing from Neil McKenzie again later, plus an absolute assortment of BSB personalities in our full preview to the 21 season, which starts, of course, this weekend on Eurosport and the Eurosport app. 
But in the meantime, let's get back to this week's full chat with Tom Booth Amos from Supersport 300. Uh, Tom, I'm quite keen to know, what's your take on the whole situation with the category? Do you feel it is a good a good category, a good feeder class for World Supersport and World Superbike? Uh, obviously, it's a good category. It's, you know, the way I look at it is it's a lot cheaper because um, obviously the riders pay for their rides. Um, obviously, there's some that don't. Uh, it's a lot cheaper. It's good racing. It's a world championship. Um, and yeah, if you look at Gonzalez now, he's doing all yeah, right. Very. Obviously, there's a couple of, uh, there's obviously a few champions now that I think they're back in it, aren't they? Yeah, well, Mark Garcia's on the grid, isn't he? Anna, Jeffrey. So they're, they're, right, they're actually all still racing, apart from Manu, who's now in 600. Yeah, but if you look at his year, I remember watching it, he stood out from the rest, didn't he? He was, yeah. he was the one that stood and you knew he was going to be a good rider. So that's obviously why he's gone on. And yeah, he's become a good rider. But then there's obviously, you know, like we said earlier, you win him because of the slipstream sometimes. But normally you can you can tell the standout riders who's fast. Like Jeffrey last year, he he was faster than everyone. You could see that. Um, so yeah, it is a good feeder class. Obviously, it's just difficult at the moment with, I'd have liked to have gone up to 600 this year, but with budgets and, you know, team infrastructure just wasn't possible. Um, so, yeah, it, it is good. And, you know, the riders are quick. I was surprised when I first got there how quick they were. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just going to take time. Obviously, the class is still quite new. And the problem is the teams just haven't got the budget at the minute to be helping riders out yeah. to move up. Well, this is the problem, isn't it, with this whole COVID situation, people losing sponsors. It's a right mess, isn't it, really? It's just, you know, racing a motorbike is hard enough as it is without COVID on top. It's just made everything such hard work. But here I am saying it's a right mess, just to avoid any confusion. I think it's fair to say Dorna and Motorsport Vision from a BSB point of view, everyone is doing a really amazing job, aren't they, to actually keep these shows on the road? Because, you know, there's every possibility races could be cancelled, Think right, championships might not happen. It's amazing, really, that any of this racing is happening as it is, isn't it, really? Yeah, honestly, the job that they do to keep it going, uh, Dorna, obviously, you know, they're, they're going to be making a massive loss because there's nobody going at all. So to carry on going and we're all racing, we're traveling the world still. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, you've got you to take the hats off. They are doing a good job. Um, I mean, I, I organize travel for me and my two mechanics and that's bad enough just for three of us. So for them not to be traveling the world and doing it with how many thousands of people that run it the big organization it is it is impressive and they're doing a good job yeah definitely it's a weird time though isn't it for all of us it's just so much uncertainty at the moment but just before we sign off then tom what do you reckon i mean if you could choose i know it's easy to say this it's probably not a very fair question but if you could choose what you're doing next year what would you want to be doing uh, you can't say moto gp well, world championship obviously no i don't i a lot of people ask me this if I'd go back there, and I don't think I would, um, to be honest. I, d I enjoy the World Superbike paddock. Uh, I enjoy my racing again, uh, which I kind of lost the love for at the end of 2019. So, yeah, I'm enjoying my riding again. Obviously, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing, and obviously the plan is to move up to 600 next year. Um, I think everyone knows that. That's my plan. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty obvious. I'm getting a bit big now for the 400. So, yeah, um, obviously with the uncertainty of the class at the minute, with all the rule changes, I've been told a little bit. I don't really know the full story, but yeah, I think that is that is the plan for next year. We'll move up the class. Yeah, and just to bring everyone up to speed for those who aren't aware, what Tom was basically talking about is there'll be big rule changes next year in World Supersport, which we're going to see at British Supersport this year in a trial, which is great. It's a collaboration between MSVR and Dorna with new regulations. But yeah, Tom, it's basically going to be we're going to have a triumph. The rules might allow the new um, Ducati in. It's basically to allow more manufacturers in, isn't it? Yeah, which would be great, you know, because Supersport used to be some of the best racing, didn't it, years ago? Um which is still good now, but it's a bit like the Yamaha Cup, isn't it? It's it's a bit of a shame, really. So yeah, these new rule changes they should 
it should help a lot. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I was talking to Scott Smart at the weekend, and he, you know, he was telling me a little bit about it. And it's going to bring like Ducati into it. Triumph, I think Aprilia can use their new one. Um, there's another one. Yamaha got a new bike out, but I think they're going to continue using the R6. But it's going to make it a lot better, you know, and more affordable as well. Um, from what I've been told, so that's good. Yeah, I was chatting with Eugene Averty Tom on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said the job Scott Smart and Co have done has been underestimated, really, from a superbike point of view, especially uh, in terms of how close it is now and how many different bikes and teams and manufacturers, riders are in the mix. It is amazing this year. Yeah, you know, World Supersport, uh, not World Super, World Superbike. I think not many people watched it a couple of years ago. Did they it dropped? But it's. You know, it's getting there now. It's getting a lot better. It's getting a lot closer in all classes. Even in Supersport, it is, it's close. And obviously, our class is very close. We do get scrutinised a lot with with ours. And Scott does ask me um, what I think about, you know, the difference between the Yamaha and the KTM and the Kawasaki. So they're always looking to try and make it even more equal, which is good, you know, because it makes the racing a lot better. Yeah, there was just that one season, wasn't there, in 2018 when it wasn't quite equal because there wasn't a pre-season test. But all the other seasons, including this one, it seems very much equal, doesn't it, really? Yeah, well, there's a lot that obviously goes on behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. Everyone, well, every man, they have, I can't remember what it's called. They were doing it the other week in Italy, um, testing basically all the different manufacturers and seeing... Uh, if it's going to be equal. So they do put a lot of work in to try and make it closer and and making the racing better, which is good because otherwise it's just going to turn into the same people winning every weekend, which we don't want. Yeah, and to be fair to Scott Smart, it must be very difficult sometimes to to be able to judge it because, as we've just said, the rider talent varies quite a lot up and down the grid, doesn't it? So I guess there's certain people he keeps an eye on to you know to have a gauge. Yeah, he does a great job. And in the 300 class, you're, well, we know last year a couple of people got caught cheating. Yes. And it still goes on. You can tell following the bikes, you know, they're not legal. Um, and they do a great job of finding him and finding who I, who is cheating. So it, it is good. And it's getting a lot stricter as well. Um, they are checking a lot more um, because you can tell it happens. But, yeah. You know, it's obviously not an easy job for them. They've got a lot of bikes to look after. And, and obviously someone's not going to be happy at some point, but that's racing. You know, I don't agree with cheating. So, yeah. No, it just, it, it just amazes job. me when people think they're going to get away with it. Thomas Brianti's team got thrown out last year, didn't they, for modifying the cylinder heads and things like that and lost all the results. And, of course, the really infamous one was Victor Rodriguez and 2R Racing when they came through the field at Aragon. And then they stripped the bike down. That I mean, that was a ridiculous that they thought they were going to get away with that, wasn't it? I'll never forget that one. Never. He, he passed me like he was on a 600 on the, on the back straight. And I was just thinking, there's not a chance that thing is legal. Not a chance. It's like starting last in Super Bowl 300 <laughs> anyway is difficult. Enough. But you don't, like, I think it was like lap four he was leading. I'm like, you don't make it that obvious if you cheat. And cheat. That's it, isn't <laughs> At it? least make it less obvious that you've got a stupid engine in it and and he's gonna you know honestly i could never forget it he's just passing like i was standing still yeah well at least they did get done for it because there's no you know no one likes to see that that's just out of order isn't it yeah yeah no it's it's not good when you have to race against stuff like that but you know they do a great job of checking okay well just finally last question tom before um I let you go to eat your dinner because it's getting on a bit, and uh, and probably feed Maverick and Marco as well. But uh, a bit of a break now. You're not going to Donington, are you? Because there's no Super Sport 300. Are you going to be at Donington though? Yeah, um, I might. The British Championships there, so I might go and uh, have a bit of a play for the weekend. I don't know yet. I need to organise some stuff. I don't actually know when it is. To be honest, I'm not very organised <laughs> uh, with dates. So I need to. I need to check and see if I can get someone to come and help me because obviously my team won't come over. But um, yeah, I might go and have a play for the weekend on on something. All right, we'll look out for you then. I get the feeling we're going to see you uh, racing something, but we'll see. Yeah, for anyone who's not aware, there will be some support classes at Donington uh, from the British Championship. So the Tri-Options Cup are going to be there, sidecars, junior supersport, and I think a couple of others as well. 
Uh, last thing, Tom, end of the season, then you're going to have, you've got Assen, Most, Magnicor, Catalonia, Jerez and the Algarve. They're all double headers now. Are you feeling pretty confident for all these tracks? What about Most? That's going to be new for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I've not been there. Um, apparently, they've just resurfaced it, though, so which is quite good. But my team do have data for it because the um, IDM Championship go there, and obviously they run a team in IDM. So we've got all the data already. It'll just be a case of learning the track, um, which like, I had to learn most from last year anyway. So, yeah, uh, I'm feeling confident. Assen, I've been testing there a fair bit because obviously my team is based in Germany. It's only an hour away um, from their base. So... I know, I know we're fast because I was there last week testing. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A couple of my good tracks are coming up now, so that's going to help me a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, fingers crossed, Tom. Good luck at the last corner as well because I think last time you thought they were all piling down on you, didn't you? And it was obviously only Anna in the end, but half of them would wipe themselves out at the previous couple of corners. Yeah, yeah. I need a camera. That's what I need on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a mirror. I can see what's going on behind me. Heroes, can't you put some mirrors on it? Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, I don't think I want it. I think I'd be scared. Yeah, true. Well, we were scared watching. It was a bit It was a bit frightening. Actually, that, I will just throw that in as a last question. Um, I think that's three last questions I've asked you now. But do you think there's going to be some sort of action taken or conversation with race direction? Because it does seem to be getting a little bit dodgy now. I think if it carries... Last year, they uh, they had us in a couple of times. A fair few times actually telling us that we need to be safe. So um, I think if it carries on the way it's going and they keep hitting each other off the track and the rest of it, yeah, they will pull us in and just tell us to calm down because obviously, as much as it's great to watch for everyone at home, it's it is it's not safe and it is dangerous. So maybe they need to calm it down a little bit. Uh, but then again, we're racers and we only know one thing, and that's flat out and we don't care about anything else yeah that is very true well keep up the good entertainment good luck in the championship you're only seven points behind Huerta so it's, I'm sure you'll be back in front sooner rather than later and uh, speak with you soon thanks Tom cheers mate I'll catch you soon <laughs> thank you very much indeed TBA Tom Booth Amos really nice guy really outspoken but in a nice way I think and good luck to him in hunting down and overhauling the Spaniard Adrian Huertas for perhaps some British success for the first time in the Supersport 300 World Championship. Their season continues at Assen, the Cathedral of Speed, towards the end of July. But of course, we will have World Superbikes at Donington Park, the British round, before then. However, before then, of course, we've got British Superbikes starting this weekend at Alton Park in Cheshire on the full circuit, right down to the Shell Oils hairpin and back up towards Clay Hill once again over the hilltop and, of course, the uh, the chicane in the middle there. We heard from Neil McKenzie earlier on then. I think it's only right we're here again from Neil, who won those first three BSB titles, 1996, 1997, 1998, back-to-back. But what are Neil's thoughts then on the 2021 spec BSB? Yeah, season ahead. Can't wait. Can't wait for Alton Park. And yeah, from a Neil Mac pundit point of view, I think BSB will be as amazing as ever. Never, never lets us down. There's never a script. But I guess if with my sensible head on, I think things will carry on as they left off, really. You've got to have Josh Brooks in there, Christian Eden, Jason Halloran, Tazmac, uh, continuity of the teams and the bike. And after that, of course, we've got people like Glenn Irwin's going to be there. The Honda's probably going to be a little bit better. Glenn Irwin's teammates have been struggling, so the Japanese contingent, I don't think, will be strong, certainly, beginning the season. Some of the unknowns, the new BMW M1000RR is an amazing piece of kit. So we have Danny Buckin, Andrew Irwin, Kyle Wright, Brad Ray. All these guys can win races, we know that. So if that bike, and it certainly looks a bit special, comes up to the mark, then these guys are going to be in the hunt. Danny Kent, looking good in testing. World champ, he can ride the bike. The Suzuki's a strong package that can win races, and him and his teammate Gina Rea will be there as well, I'm sure. So they'll be in the mix for podiums. And New Kawasaki, certainly looks good in World Superbike. Rory Skinner, young Scottish kid. 
oozing talent, been watching him and testing, he's chipping away, doing things the way he should. He hasn't been spectacular, but he's been improving pretty much every lap. Um, so there you go, that's about a dozen that will be fighting for the podium straight away. Um, of course, Rory Skinner, Lee Jackson as well, he's a podium man, he's on that bike as well. So a couple of young guns on the green bikes. And uh, look forward to, uh, if I've missed anyone out, I totally apologise. Just give me a kick when you see me in the paddock. But I can't wait to see everyone at Alton. And I can't wait to get commentating on the support races and watching all of the action with a certain amount of fans to begin with. And then we'll get a full contingent after my birthday on the 19th of July. Mega. Yeah, that's it, Neil. Get your birthday mentioned. 21 again, I'm sure, in July. Happy birthday in advance. Uh, but I'm sure we'll say it to you at the time as well. Uh, Neil mentioning their spectators, 4,000 per day are going to be allowed this weekend into Alton Park. Of course, it's causing great frustration uh, with Stuart Higgs, as we saw on Twitter the other day, and MSVR who run the championship. And who can blame them? Because it's a quite ridiculous situation. The fact that uh, motorsport events in this country at the moment can't allow in large numbers of spectators, even though we've seen the football having them in, even though they're in closed stadiums. And as MSV said in a statement recently, they're having to go on more public transport to get to these stadiums, football stadiums, which are generally in cities, of course. Our circuits are generally out in the country, far more spaced out. It doesn't make any sense. So let's just hope that's going to be um, back to something we know is normal sooner rather than later, please, for goodness sake. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> back to Neil for a second, because I think he forgot someone. Mr. McKenzie. And of course, I missed out two contenders, Peter Hickman and Tommy Bridewell. Both BSB winners. How could I forget these guys? Ducati and another BMW M1000. So, yeah, please add that in, Greg, because uh, we know these guys will be in the hunt and uh, knocking on the door as well. And I don't want any of them to kick me in the paddock or anywhere else, for that matter. It's BSB. It's as open as ever. I think it's only right we get a word now from somebody at Honda. We've heard already that there's two Japanese riders in the lineup. Takumi Takahashi and also Ryo Mizuno, who was fourth overall in the Japanese Superbike Championship last year, which was won by Kota Nazani, who, of course, is now alongside Garrett Gerloff at GRT Yamaha in World Superbike. But the third Honda rider, most likely, I would say, to be the top Honda rider once again this year, Glenn Irwin. Let's get the latest from Glenn. Uh, testing's been good. It's been uh, a bit... Uh, a bit more like real work as such um, because we've had a like a list of uh, stuff we've had to do you know a list a list of items to get through um, and it's not a case of uh, doing one lap as such you know so there's been times when I think well there's always the time where the racer wants to you know put in the best setting or put in a new tyre or, or a soft grippy tyre and, uh, and top every session but uh, we've had to not do that whilst trying many things um it's been uh so, some stuff we've tried has been good you know we've certainly made a uh, development uh on an electronic and engine side um you know many things like clutch as well chassis point of view uh, i'm still working with the standard arm standard link i think it surprises a lot of people um but it's uh it's what's testament to the to the new fireblade and it's a, a, an area of the bike i feel really comfortable with uh, we do have to improve edge grip, um, which is something that you know, we, we are looking at doing. Um, we do have some shooter swinging arms to try, but uh, you know, until uh, until we get um, maybe some links matched up better uh, for that, that's uh, that's sitting in the wings as such. So, no, testing has been good. Um, you know, we've been under the lap record at Silverstone, fastest ever lap, under the lap record at Knock Hill. Uh, I think we were fastest at Silverstone, fastest at Knock Hill. And, uh, I don't even think you can count. I couldn't even tell you where I was. Um, we did a handful of laps. Uh, felt strong at Donington, you know, uh, working on this new SCX tyre. So that's um, that's throwing a curveball is probably the wrong word. A curveball sounds negative. It's throwing a variable into the into the whole thing. So my uh, my bike works uh, good on the X, but it's taken work to, to make it good. And the, the chassis for us, I can't talk for others, my chassis changes quite a lot when I put the X tyre in. So 
we're understanding that and we're continuing to do that. There will be tracks where that tyre will be used in the long races and there will also be tracks where the tyre maybe isn't used at all. So, no, I feel good. Um, second season on the Fireblade, loving the Honda team, loving the, the whole ethos and the working of everything. So, um, I'm under no illusions how tough it is. Uh, you know, I fully expect the Ducatis to be at the forefront um, and to be the package to beat every weekend and uh, as uh, as we've also seen the, the Yamaha have stepped up the level and World Superbike on and BSB pre-season testing so it's, uh, it's looking interesting um, you know it's uh, I haven't read too much into too much testing but when we wanted to be quick we, we've been able to be quick um, and we have got through a lot of items on the bike so yeah looking forward to Olden Park um, one of our when I say difficult one of the tracks where we didn't challenge for the podium last year so hopefully we can uh, make some in roads and be a little bit closer and uh, see where we are come Sunday Cheers Glenn and we definitely need to watch out for the SCX tyre don't we as Glenn says new to BSB we've had it now for a couple of seasons in World Superbikes it's been so talked about this year by us in World Superbikes because it's changed the face of the races that basically is a super soft tyre introduced by Pirelli you can tell it apart from the others because of the red markings so red markings and the letters SCX on the tyre now, that was introduced initially as a warm-up tyre for qualifying tyres in World Superbikes and also for the short sprint races. However, thanks initially to people like Alvaro Bautista and famously, of course, Michael Ruben Rinaldi, they're now making that tyre work in the long races as well. And the rest of the field have been forced to, if you can't beat them, join them. And that's what's happened. And it's changed the face of World Superbike racing over the last few races, basically. And now it might do the same in BSB as well. However, different types of circuits in the UK, obviously different weather conditions as well, completely different conditions, different electronics, different bikes. So let's see quite how that works. And is it going to work for some riders better than others? It's going to be a fascinating variable, as Glenn put it there, to throw into the mix for BSB 2021. Okay, Glenn said the strongest threat should come from Ducati. You wouldn't be surprised, of course, if it did. They are the reigning champions, after all, with Josh Brooks. We heard a lot recently from uh, Christian Idden, who joined us on the Eurosport sofa for World Superbikes for the Mazzano races. Here's the latest one from Christian as he goes into his second season. Continuity there, then, for himself, for Ducati and for PBM. Yeah, so testing's gone really well for me. Um... Just got through loads of stuff, really. Um, so I've got to admit, I've gone a little bit under the radar, which, um, to be fair, I went under the radar last year. But I went under the radar last year because I was absolutely useless. Um, this year, I think it's a different story. Um, I've just been trying to do really long runs and trying to really understand the bike and um, got a different base, obviously, because, you know, I know how the bike handles and reacts and I'm able to give feedback straight away. So... Um, we had a number of parts in the back of the truck that we never used last year. Um, so just been trying all those out and lots of combinations and I feel really good. Um, just just feel like I've gelled with the bike a lot more than I had done previously and um, feeling good. Um, obviously, there's so many riders out there in this BSB championship that can, that can fight for wins. Um, I think there's only... Uh, five or six that can contend for the title um so once we find our our place in the series it sort of tends to settle down at about round two or three and you see who's really in the mix but um yeah another season of absolutely epic racing that, that bsb always brings yeah thanks christian don't doubt it epic is the word i think finally then i did mention before we have a new look qualifying format the bsb super picks qualifying format for 2021 you can get involved as well with the bsb super picks app as well so look out for that uh, online on the uh, bennett's bsb website and on the various social media channels as well the way it's going to work then in a nutshell we'll have all of the riders in practice of course on a friday knock hill is going to be a bit different because we'll only have a two-day weekend because of COVID issues. But for all the rest of the season, three-day weekend, BSB Super Picks practice. That's a contest that will happen on Friday. And the top 12 riders from Friday will go straight into qualifying two. 
for Saturday. So top 12 on Friday will be automatically placed into qualifying two on Saturday. The remaining 16 riders will all go through the qualifying one session. This is also part of the BSB Super Picks. Um, so the remaining 16 will go into qualifying one and then we'll have six of those will be selected and basically be granted entry to the shootout as well. So it has more of a bearing basically on Friday practice this year. So watch out for that new qualifying format as well. But most of all, let's just hope we will get all of you back in the grandstands and hopefully in the paddock as well sooner rather than later. 4,000 people are allowed in to Alton Park, which has long since been sold out now because of these restrictions. Unfortunately, no paddock access at the moment, but at least some fans will be in the grandstands. It's hardly an ideal situation, but everybody at MSVR, Stuart Higgs and all the team are trying as hard as they possibly can, lobbying government along with other sports as well, who are just as frustrated as we are with this current situation. It doesn't seem correct. It seems completely outrageous when you consider how many people are being allowed into football stadiums and all the rest of it. Politics there as well, which I'm not going to get into because I don't really know enough about it, but it's just a mess. It doesn't seem fair. And let's just hope that uh, we will have certainly um, full racetracks again sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, of course, we will be live for the whole weekend. It is BSB time for 2021. This weekend then, of course, Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th of June with all of the live BSB action. We'll have Matt in the pit lane with Wit, with Shaky, with James Hayden. Rachel will be down there as well. And we'll be up in the commentary box. Jack, myself, Barry Nutley and others. We're all going to be up there and we're going to be very much ready to go for all of these support races. All of the coverage of course live across the weekend on Eurosport and the Eurosport app and every single one of the support races can be watched live as well on the app. If not, you can catch it with the highlights on the main channel across the course of the week and on the run-up to Knock Hill. We'll be back with a podcast next Monday the 28th of June from Alton Park and I just wonder who we'll be talking about as the first three BSB race winners of 2021. It's the quarter century anniversary season. The 25th anniversary of modern day BSB. Bring on the racing. We will see you live on Eurosport this weekend at Alton Park. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.